Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. In a world of distance learning, schools with radio stations, and the students with the privilege to be making radio as part of their education have an incredible resource to strengthen the connections between students, teachers, and family members. Because online learning and online radio both mean speaking into microphones, listening with your whole self, and establishing connections with your audience, the skills learned making radio are the same that we all need to work together over the web. Of course, this is no secret to fans of college and high school radio, but the big shifts in learning happening here in the year 2020 make the power of student radio all the more clear. Today on Radio Survivor, we talk with a middle school and high school music teacher who has been making producing radio and podcasts a huge part of his teaching and learning experience for his students. We're also going to be talking with him today about the massive fires on the West Coast and the role that even a small radio station can play during emergencies. My name is Eric Klein, and with me are co-hosts of Radio Survivor, Paul Reismandel and Jennifer Waits. As we record this episode on Friday, September 11th, 2020, wildfires are burning up and down the West Coast of the United States with smoky conditions and unhealthy air all over California, Oregon, and Washington. In San Francisco, where I live, we had blazing red skies on September 9th, with smoke in the atmosphere blocking out the sun all day long, making for an apocalyptic feeling. In the midst of all this, I feel lucky to be healthy and safe, and I'm reminded of those battling fires and fearing for their lives and homes. Amid a pandemic, the beginning of wildfire season brings added challenges for radio stations, particularly those on school campuses. When a major fire erupted near Vacaville, California in August 2020, my thoughts turned to friend of the show, Ralph Martin, leader of the radio and music program at Vacaville Christian Schools in Vacaville, California. Martin has kept the high school radio station KVCB-LP running in the midst of COVID-19 and wildfire. Ralph Martin, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. Well, thanks for having me. So, so Ralph, at, at VCS Radio, you've been facing multiple challenges, obviously. And as a high school radio station and middle school radio station, you've been doing distance learning since March. And then recently dealing with wildfires in Vacaville. So I wanted to find out from you about the wildfires first. So, you know, what happened in Vacaville and how did you respond as a radio station? Well, the wildfires, um, it was, it's weird because you think everything is so scary and, oh my goodness, you know, this is just, just you know, horrible. And then you realize, you know, there's so many people who, who suffered far more than just the fear. I mean, people went home to find there was no home left, and that, that is really a sad thing. And so I, I have to be careful when I go, wow, you know, looking back on this, how, how you know, easy it was for me, because it wasn't easy for everyone. But when it comes to the situation in Vacaville, um, there was a fear about the fire, you know, really getting into the town and, and burning up a lot of buildings. Now, it, it didn't happen. Some buildings, uh, some homes were lost, but uh, uh, much of the town was evacuated. And that was a pretty scary time. Um, it was really scary and hit home when you looked outside and you saw the ash, you know, coming down like it was snow. I mean, that, that was, it, it felt like some kind of weird nuclear winter. It just did not feel right. And uh, then um, 
looking at what we were supposed to do in terms of helping the city out when the evacuations were uh, finally um, started, um, KUIC, which is a, a great you know commercial station that we have a great relationship with here in Vacaville, they were kicked off the air when the fires uh, destroyed their transmitting facilities. And the only um, FM station left on the air was us. Um, not because we have this fantastic set of equipment, but because we have this humble, you know, uh, mast sitting on top of a, you know, a multi-purpose room. Um, so there was, you know, no, no way the fire could damage us unless the fire reached us, and it didn't. And so we were on the air. So I reached out to the city to see if we could, you know, uh, broadcast their emergency services uh, throughout this whole thing. And it scared me a little bit when you think about it. It was easy technically. They just simply sent us their um, their um, you know sound feed um, that they use for their you know cable channel and things like that. And we just simply rebroadcast it. And then I just kept updating it uh, through the night. And then until all of the um, uh, evacuation um, messages you know were, were were done and they lifted everything. Um, the idea of listening to your radio station and you're used to hearing kids, you know, talk about music and, and having a great time and all of that was gone. I suspended all of that. It just didn't seem appropriate. I took it off completely and only ran their messages in loops 24 hours a day, just updating and they would contact me when they needed to change uh, things and I would just re-update everything. And... Um, you know, to turn on the radio station instead of hearing kids hearing, you know, if you're, you know, uh, you know, on east of this particular street, uh, please get out of your home now. You know, that kind of thing sounds, you know, weird, you know, coming from the radio station. You're not used to that kind of uh, reality, you know, hitting, you know, when a disaster like this happens. So I think of all of it, I think the biggest challenge was just realizing just how serious the situation is, and you really don't know it un unless you're living it at the time. And Ralph, what, when exactly did this happen? Well, this was that, what was it, last, uh, what was that, last week, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, I think. Approx ago? Uh, do we have an approximate date on that? Because, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look and see because uh, with all of that, let's see, at least I think it was three weeks ago. It was called the, it was the fire that hit. It was a Mac, It was a bunch of different fires. I think they called it the Thunder Complex or Lightning Complex fire. Yeah, I think it was the LNU Lightning Complex fire. And Yeah, I believe that's what it was called. Yeah, and for context for people outside of the West Coast are not yeah. familiar with what's happening um, there are so many fires overlapping up and down the West Coast on every in every state that it's difficult for residents to keep track, especially in uh, Northern California. Yeah. It's been it's been kind of an ongoing, rumbling, uh, nonstop fire season that sometimes oh, it's yeah. close to you and sometimes it's farther away. Yeah, so it's very mm -hmm. it's very easy to forget. Uh, well, in we were September. What? Yeah, day it was like. like yeah, and, and, and right now it's just like everything is, is kind of blurring together and, you know, and that and I'm old, but besides that, so, so it's three like weeks ago. August, right, or yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it was three, I believe it was three weeks it's ago. It's just important um, to, kind of, to kind of set the scene here. And also the sure. other thing I think it's important for our listeners to uh, to remember and keep in mind um, is that, I mean, your your station is a low-power FM. Right. right. And that's why you yes. call it kind of a small station and you have your, your transmitter and you have your... Uh, 
uh, right. antenna uh, mounted there at the school. So you know, it's it's a it's a comparatively smaller station by. Right. By, by several uh, margins compared to that commercial station in your town. Right. No, the commercial station has a you know a much larger. They're you know I believe they're class class B one I believe. So they would be sitting at maybe we're a hundred watts. They're like maybe four hundred and sixty watts. But they're sitting up on Mount Vaca. They're sitting up on the in the mountains with a really really tall system. So they can be heard all the way to the uh, Sierra uh, Sierra Mountains and then all the way into the Bay Area. So they have a gigantic reach. Um, and that's great, and and I believe they have uh, two auxiliary transmitter sites in case you know one goes out, and so they're set to take care of emergencies. But you can't always plan for everything, and so in this particular case, um, everything got knocked out for them because no matter what you have, if everything's in the fire, you know it's not, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be helpful, and so. Um, um, it wasn't that they weren't prepared. They certainly, you know, I can't imagine um, how much more prepared you can be than having two auxiliary sites, you know, of course. ready for such a thing. Yeah, but it just chance happened that that we were it at that point. And have you ever had to do emergency broadcasting like that before? Not myself. You know, we're EAS station, obviously, so that that's done automatically. This is the first time we've ever had to to do. Um, you know this type of emergency broadcast. We we broadcast the city council meetings, um, uh, all of them live. Um, but that's not an emergency. You know it doesn't have that same urgency and it's planned and everything's set to go. But this is the very first time that uh, you know we've had to just suspend everything and just go out there and you know and just see that the station's operating. I I might have been a hundred feet from the evacuation zone. I mean, the other side of the street where I is where I, where where I am at that time. Pardon me, was uh, was evacuated, and, uh, and you know it, it's it was a question whether I should leave if the evacuation came for me or to stay on the air. You know, weird weird things come through your head when things like that happen, and you don't you don't. It's because you don't know what's happening that you don't get the full picture. And you don't know whether you're taking a huge risk or no risk at all, you know. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird. I always said, well, you know, a few weeks later I'll look back and kind of smile at it. But uh, so far that hasn't been the case. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds just terrifying. <laughs> Ralph, why is that? Is that because it's still... Are you still in the midst of the disaster, or is well? I mean, I look outside, and there's still no, no, no. There, there's no disaster for. Well, no. Again, what? There's no disaster. There's fires going on everywhere, so I can't say that. What I'm saying is that you know I'm not looking out, and nobody's being evacuated. But yet, the the, the smoke is thick, and every day we have to check in the air quality to see if we can even you know do things outside. It's just kind of a. You know, it's kind of a weird atmosphere right, right now. The fires aren't over. It just isn't affecting Vacaville as strongly now as it was a few weeks ago. And you're, are, you, are you still broadcasting emergency content no, on, your, um, on your radio station? We're, we're not in that it's not affecting. You know, our, our signal only hits Vacaville proper. It doesn't, so it doesn't even serve Fairfield, which is the city right next to us, because the hills are between us and Fairfield. So emergency broadcasts into Fairfield wouldn't be of any service to them. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of hyper-local in that way. We only cover the city of Vacaville. Um, so they have my number, they have my cell phone number, and whenever they need stuff like that, their emergency services will give me a call, and then, you know, I'll be right here to, to let it happen for them. 
Um, but right now, Vacaville's not in any lockdown or anything of that, or, you know, their evacuation. None of that is happening currently. So, so you know, we're, we're at the ready to help them whenever we can. And, and, and you, KUIC is back on the air, and, you know, they're, they're, they're there too. And did you feel prepared when you stepped in, you know, to help out? Did you feel prepared? Um, did you anticipate that this sort of thing could happen where you would have to do some emergency broadcasting? Well, in this particular case, um, you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty decent relationship with the city. And so, uh, you know, if, if there's a problem and they need us, we already have the tools set to do it. It's not like it's like, how am I going to get all this taken care of for them? Um, you know, with the city council meetings that we already do, we already know their, their system and how they um, communicate. Getting that communication to us was fairly easy to do. It's just a matter of of, um, of just getting it um, from them and then broadcasting it, and that's something they expected from me. That's not something that you know they had to take care of. They've got their emergency messages that they send out on their phone and on the their cable channel, and uh, and uh, we just had to keep track of that, updated and broadcast it out on our station. It was not. A difficult thing in terms of technology. We had that all set, so there was no question that I could help them, unless the power went out, and that that happened twice, um, where the power just simply failed, and then I just stayed until the power was restored, and then went back right back on the air, and we were able to get it to work. Um, fortunately, um, our servers went down, but I had, um, uh, you know, I have a few jet jet packs. They're like hotspots, and you know that I have through Verizon, and then my own phone. And so there was always a way that I could get connection and get things going. So that the technical aspects of it wasn't the difficult part. Um, it's just you know figuring out how to apply everything in an emergency situation when you're not sure you know what's happening from hour to hour. Have you had students involved? I'm assuming that the students can't be there with you, the but students- have. Yeah, the students weren't involved at all. That was my choice. Uh, at that particular point, I felt that, you know, again, not knowing, knowing that it was a big emergency, not knowing how great that emergency was, not knowing even if I had students that are dealing with evacuating themselves, and most of them were, you know, um, I didn't think that this was an appropriate, you know, learning experience for them outside of them taking care of their families and their property and everything that needed to be taken care of. This... Um, and I didn't like the idea of student broadcasting, even recorded student broadcasting, going on while all this was happening. So I took I, I took off all the the, um, the channels, uh, even the HD channels were turned off, and we just did pure emergency broadcasting during that whole time. Sure. And, and Ralph, you you only mentioned just there in, in, in passing that that you run HD radio, digital radio transmitter, um, and to the best yeah. of our knowledge. <laughs> Your station is the only low-power FM HD radio station in the country. It's something which we, we talked uh-huh. about earlier, so I don't need to, yeah. to we don't need to dive too much into it. But but uh, you know, I, I just as context for folks who are less familiar with with uh, KVCB is that you know, in addition to a main program, you also run. Uh, an HD2 channel of right. additional programming. And so in this particular case, uh, you're telling us that both your main uh, channel as well, and you, so which is your main digital as well as your main analog channel, and on your HD2, you are running the same emergency information. No, what I did was I simply shut it all off. Oh, you shut but it all I, off uh, so, that, so that you yeah, only yeah. hear mm-hmm. the analog station. Got it. 
Yeah, so the only thing that was here, so anyone who was listening on an HD radio, it would automatically default to analog anyway. Why, why did you make that choice to, to, to shut um, off the HD radio? Um, for the same reason I turned off the kids' vo- the programming on the main channel. Um, I wanted to focus, I wanted the entire um, broadcast to be focused only on emergency broadcasting and nothing else. And uh, maintaining four channels when all I needed to maintain was just one, because there's just one thing I was trying to do. You don't need four channels for that. And so having to worry about, you know, putting everything on all four channels was more of a headache than I think um, the benefit. So I simply said, you know, and we have that option. We don't, right. we don't have, we can, we can put as many or as few, you know, up to four channels or as little as nothing, you know, <laughs> on HD. And in this particular case, it was definitely, in, I felt, in my best uh, interest to turn HD off during that uh, emergency. When the last um, section of Vacaville uh, was given um, the all clear to go back, then we went back to all four channels of HD. And again, it's important, I think, for folks to note that with HD broadcasting, um, these are additional digital channels on top of a main analog channel, and that any you know HD-capable radio receiver is also, at base, an analog radio receiver. So, right. so if you were, although in the FM band, it's not currently legal, nor are we licensed to do so, but in, in the hypothetical that you were only broadcasting HD... Um, right, there would be no analog signal, but you know we're still in, in this hybrid uh, circumstance in the United sure. States with digital radio, and so understanding that that the the digital service is supplemental for all intents and purposes, and that right. uh, you can guarantee that that analog signal will be receivable by any FM radio receiver uh, of any sort of any type, and in this emergency situation, so uh, you know it sounds like it was both sort of your own cognitive and labor overhead of not having to maintain different streams of channels, but also making sure uh, that if somebody is uh, tuning in in their car in particular, where uh, people are most likely to have an HD cable receiver, they would they would only get that emergency information that you are broadcasting in your analog yeah. signal. Yeah, I, di- I didn't want them to tune to 100.9 and inadvertently go to channel you know three that might have been playing old-time radio broadcast. It just it wasn't appropriate. I wanted them to hear just the emergency broadcast, and that's only one thing. There's no reason to have them on four channels. Well, so I think just, I, I want to ahead. make sure that I want to make sure today on Radio Survivor we get to, um, you know, we we we're all living in a situation of so many overlapping uh, emergencies that I want to make sure we get to the other one now today on Radio Survivor because we're also talking not about a, we're not yeah. just talking about a radio station in the midst of a community dealing with wildfire or the hybrid wildfire and uh, urban fire that, that we're all dealing with on the West Coast, um, but also, uh, the, 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 you know, a school, a school that is operating uh, in, in, these uni- in these times of COVID-19. Sure. And so let's uh, – I, I, Jennifer, I know that you have um, a lot of questions about the educational aspect of the radio station we're talking about. Well, yeah, and a lot of college – Radio stations in particular, and obviously high school stations, are trying to figure out how to continue broadcasting when students may not be on campus. And I know you've been able to continue that, uh, as well as do some live remote broadcasts with kids broadcasting from home. So, yeah, I'm curious, like, what was the trajectory? What, What did you start doing once stay-at-home orders started in March? 
Well, the first thing I needed to do, and this was something, I was looking at things all wrong. And, and I, when, when dealing with this, how on earth am I going to be able to get, you know, kids broadcasting um, under these conditions? Um, what I needed to do was I needed to adjust my standards in terms of what to expect from the technical aspects of it. Um, it's like, well, how are we going to have the same broadcast quality when kids are doing things from their home and uh, they don't have the equipment with them and, and they're using Zoom or clean feed and the sound quality isn't all that good. I needed to let that go and say, look, you know, this is the circumstances and so, you know, I'm not going to stop broadcasting just because I don't like the sound of kids doing their programming through Zoom or through other other formats. People understand that um, people are at home and they're using makeshift studios and different circumstances. And I think it, you know, I, I, I have a different opinion about it now than I did. You know, I don't, I don't cringe when I hear somebody do their program and you hear you know, a ground loop because, you know, something's wrong with their wiring in their in their house or something. That These aren't things that I worry about as much as I did before the pandemic. And I think that's what got the programming, you know, continuing all the time. And um, it, it helped. It was on the first day of, our, of the lockdown when everyone had to be sheltered in place except for um, vital services. The... Um, I had the kids interview their parents uh, at home about how they felt about kids living at home and, and they gave a lot of interviews of their family, you know, families and what they're dealing with and what their situation was and they would send in their interviews. Um, and I did that for a while until I said, okay, that's enough of that. Let's see, let's see if we can't try business as usual because it was, it was interesting, but it was starting to sound a little bleak. <laughs> and so I was thinking, well, there's another side of this. As bad as the pandemic is, um, there's a human spirit that says, well, we have to make do. We have to make things. You know, we have a situation, and now we've got to make the best of the situation, no matter how bad that situation is. And um, getting back to regular programming was kind of important. But uh, now, listening to our station, it has a much more varied um, sound quality than I probably would have accepted before the pandemic, if that makes sense. <laughs> and you're, we're talking about uh, high school students and middle school students, right, who make yeah. radio with you. Yeah, sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade. And it, today, I tuned in a bit today, Ralph, and I heard students doing team shows and i was curious mm -hmm. how they're doing team shows remotely what's well, the technical it, dep <laughs> it depends on what you're listening to um if you're listening to the live stuff and we did some live stuff today but if you tuned in at a time where you heard people talking together um like a business as usual you were probably hearing a recording remember we keep all recordings of everything they did since the time we went on the air we have 5,000, over 5,200 segments that run um, day and night uh, on our main channel. And then the kids insert live stuff when they come in. So sometimes it's hard to know whether they're actually at the, at the uh, mics or if it's a recording of something you know, that was done four years ago. But um, the, the key with that during the, during the lockdown was... Um, things like clean feed or zoom clean feed and i'm not a I, I don't know if you want me to 
mention that as a because I'm, I certainly don't work for them. No, that's okay. Um, we we can talk about things as long as okay. uh, no one's being compensated yeah. for talking about it. Yeah, I'm not being compensated, but we do use it. And again, you know, it it, it seems to work, but it's a um, it's a platform for radio stations where you can invite people in, and it's only audio. And uh, you invite different people in, and they can talk to each other. You have a host, and, and it, it almost sounds, if everyone's got their mic set, everything, it almost sounds like they're in the same studio. Um, if you really analyze it, obviously, the atmosphere is a little different in each place, so you could kind of tell, but it's, it's surprisingly good. I mean, you could even send music um, from, from the home, and it's pretty, pretty broadcast acceptable. I wouldn't call it broadcast quality. <laughs> But say broadcast acceptable in most cases, and so we so were relying on that. So students only do they only need a phone or a computer in order to use that, or do they need microphones? They they need it. Well, I asked them to use a microphone, so they'd set up a you know a, a USB mic, and some of these kids have you know gaming consoles and things like that, which is perfect. And got their headphones and the mic all set to go, and you know they just kind of set up their own home studio and um, you know it, it seemed to work pretty well and it has its limitations um, if they're not able to make it work then we'd have to resort to zoom and so be it R- ralph martin i am very excited right now talking to you about the radio station that you help run there at vacaville christian schools in northern california because is it, a, it is a really exemplary it is an amazing example of how a radio station can function both as a community asset, you know, you know, people in the town where you live can listen to your radio station if they're close by or if they want to tune in over the web, but also the way that it functions to educate students. And it was doing a great job of giving the students there at your school skills that they could use, but the the, the multiplying effect of them having these broadcast skills during social distancing, during online learning, right. During being, you know, everybody working from home, um, I feel like the students at your school, the high school students and middle school students who are already, um, you know, steeped in this broadcasting world have a leg up now because this radio station has been a part of their educational experience. It's really exciting. Well, I think in this particular case, I think it kind of just goes along with um, with the the idea of radio i mean to me it's always been that way uh, you know it, the idea that that you have a radio station attaches to it a responsibility um and and it's it's i don't care if you're a commercial station um if 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 you have something that is as powerful as a radio station still is today um, there's a good side, and then there's a responsibility. And if you follow that responsibility, that's not a bad sign. It's not a bad side, I mean. This means that, uh, you know, being able to do remotes and making it work, um, that kind of uh, experimental can-do attitude is inherent in broadcasting. I think it still exists today, um, not just with our station, but with... Uh, Many radio stations across, um, you know, across the country that I've seen, um, and you you hear these stories of people doing broadcasts under really really tough conditions, uh, not just fires and pandemics, but um, 
um, LPFMs that operated after tornadoes and and uh, and hurricanes, and uh, that's it's something that yeah, I guess if you love radio, it kind of makes you get into radio, and once you're into radio and your love for radio, you kind of already have that DNA built in to to want to make a difference when you can, you know, use the power in the way it was designed to be used. I think that's but, probably yeah. the best way. But to what's it. so what's so unique, Ralph Martin, about the station we're talking about is that the, those people doing that work, that everyday work of making a radio station. Uh, what it is to the community are our high school students and middle school students. Mm-hmm. That's right, and and I think that uh, that it, it's also big to let them know that they have the power, no matter how bad things get, they have the power to make a difference and to use their ingenuity to do something that uh, that matters. Um, it doesn't have to be a big thing, and I think that they're learning that. They're okay. There's a pandemic, but you can still do a broadcast. There's you know, you're you're a musician. You can't play in a theater, but you can still do a socially distanced orchestra and do things. And 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 so, in the arts, we've learned how to make do with things as a as a normal course of business. You know, you're always wanting. You're always your imagination is far greater than the real world, and so you're always figuring out. Okay, I want this big gigantic thing to happen. This epic thing on stage. But now you realize your stage isn't as big as it is in your mind and the things that you would like to have and the finances that you'd like to have doesn't, you know, doesn't really exist. And you have to go, okay, so now let's go to the real world and see how to make that work. And I think that kind of, that kind of um, attitude, I think, lended itself to broadcasting pretty well. And I really hope what you're saying is something that these kids can take with them, whether it be broadcasting or or anything they plan on doing in life later on. Ralph Martin, you you mentioned the arts, and you also run the entire music program at Vac- at Vacaville Christian Schools, and and we've talked on on this show before about some of the interesting things your students have done. You know, writing music for silent film, uh, and doing you know some some really interesting experimental work. And you mentioned to me that that this year during during distance learning, you're also going to be collaborating with the school's drama department. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of a hybrid thing here. Some of the kids, that there's all these restrictions that are going on to what kids can do and can't do. And so, you know, we can rehearse with our orchestra, but it has to be outside. It can't be inside a building. They have to be distanced, you know, by a certain number of, you know, some depending on the instrument, some are six feet in the front, or eight feet in the front, six feet to either side, depending on what instrument you play. And and so we have to mark all this off. Well, you can't do that inside, so you have to do that all outside. Um, and these are the things that uh, you have to do to try to see if it'll work, you know. And, and we're going to be dealing with that, you know, for quite some time. When it comes to drama, could you imagine, you know, doing Shakespeare and going, you know, you know, draw your swords if ye be men, uh, but maintain your six foot distance, you know, (laughs) you can't do Shakespeare that way, you know, I would slay thee if I could get close enough, but uh, (laughs) it it just doesn't work, so you you can't do that, so um, radio, 
is the answer to that. You know, the theater of the mind, I guess they used to call it, actually works. At that point, they can be distanced. They don't even have to be in the same studio. And um, they can make this work. So we've kind of become the, the, the new venue for the uh, drama department while they figure out how to do things in a socially distanced uh, world right now. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we've talked on Radio Survivor about how some of us who do audio and podcasting have been sort of positioned for the pandemic in a way that, that we're, we're used to having to do some of this stuff virtually. So, so did the drama department come to you because you already had these skills, or was this something that you um, came to together? Did you both... Well, uh, yeah, we, we work closely together. So as the head of the conservatory, it, you know, it wasn't so much they came to me. It's like, hey, we've got this venue for you, so let's take a look at how we can use it. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, everything that we do here is a collaborative effort on the part of all the, all the teachers and myself. I don't do anything myself. It's always, you know, a team, a team effort. And um, they, you know... <sighs> I have you know complete confidence in how they work because I know them all so well, and so it wasn't a, a difficult transition to say, "Hey, let's go ahead and do this in radio." It was more a matter of, "Okay, let's let's do this in radio. We've done this before. Um, now we're just going to figure out how to make it uh, a bigger part of the production during times when we can't actually be on stage." So it was something that uh, I think we're fortunate to have a radio station that can provide a venue that normally wouldn't exist. And so that makes it work. And for the, the you know, the orchestra, since we do a lot of film scoring, um, we just, uh, just a couple weeks ago did, you know, I see, and I know it must have been three weeks for the, for the evacuation, because um, two weeks ago we did Peter Pan, uh, the 1924 um, film, and I purchased a 35-foot inflatable movie screen, and so we did it outside in front of a movie screen and a high-powered projector, and then streamed it to the audience, and it did very well. So, you know, it's uh, it's the kind of thing that it 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 locks us up a lot when you think about uh, the things that you can't do anymore. But it also opens up a lot more avenues that who knows might still be around. Even when all this is over, we may end up with more opportunities than we've ever had before, just because of having to experiment with all of this. It's amazing to me how much you're doing already at at a very early at the very beginnings of the of the fall semester, when some schools are still kind of uh, setting up and getting started. It, it feels well, like you're already. Uh, legions ahead of many places. I'm I'm amazed. It, it's, it's because we've never stopped. I mean, it's been, you know, we, we don't stop over the summer. So we, you know, our projects continue on. And so um, we've had that. It, it, I think the reason you might see that in other schools may be because they truly are getting started and trying to figure things out. And, and they'll, they'll do just fine. But in our particular case, um, we started making the adjustments the day we were told that all of the stuff was closed. So, uh, you know, we, we, our last performance was March, I think it was March 12th, 
It was the scariest performance we've ever given. It was in Vallejo. And at the time, you know, San Francisco was already closing up their, their performances. And um, we were, the kids had just restored the scores to uh, Superman, uh, two episodes of Superman uh, cartoons, the, the Fleischer uh, animations from, from the 1940s. And, uh, One of the best pieces of of, uh, of media art in the public domain in the history of the world. Those yeah, it was it was wonderful, and we were fortunate to have uh, to have the composer's daughter in, in attendance, and, and it was a lot of fun. But it was weird when you when the county said, "Well, you can only have a certain number of people." We were turning people away, and um, it was weird that that was our last performance that we'd ever given in a in a theater. And the very next day, everything was closed down, and so it was a it was a weird way to end it. But um, the very next day, we were working on getting things ready for our next project. Just simply, how are we going to do this without, <laughs> you know, without being together as a group, and then just you know working it out. And then later on, when they said, well, you know, that when the uh, um, performing arts uh, study by the University of Colorado came out. Finally, with their um, um, bioaerosol um, study for musical instruments, that didn't exist at that time, and you know, and so we were waiting for studies to come out to tell us, well, what can we do, you know, when when the state eases up a bit. Oh, and that uh, so that's how you you figured out how to uh, position right, players, right, right? Yeah. So they've done the studies to help. You know, not not for us specifically, but for music education in general, and um, that's been uh, you know a huge help in figuring out you know how to go forward. But no matter what they say, you still have to follow state and county guidelines. And so um, we oftentimes had to listen to what the state and the county allows us to do, and then refer to the studies to find out if we should be you know. You know, more restrictive or not, it just depends on the circumstances. Oftentimes, the situation is we'd have to be a little more restrictive than what the county allows. Um, but you make things work. Yeah, we're talking with Ralph Martin, who is the who is a music educator and also runs a radio station at a high school and middle school in Vacaville, California, in Northern California, outside of the Bay Area. Uh, that school is the Vacaville Christian Schools. And Ralph Martin is telling us here on Radio Survivor today about how, I mean, I'm, I, am, <laughs> I am really blown away and all aglow. It is a difficult day to, to feel optimistic on the West Coast of the United States in uh, September of 2020. But Ralph Martin, you telling me about how you're running your radio station at your school is really driving home just like it's a miracle to me that that it seems like what you do, what you already were doing pr- prior to the pandemic shutdown of, of in in school, in building education, the your radio station is knitting together your educational community in a way that um, I feel bad for schools that don't have radio stations, which is most of them. Well, uh, I want to kind of follow up on that thread there, Eric, because I want to kind of turn the focus around here, um, you know, in talking about KVCB in, in Vacaville, uh, California, you know, we, we, up to now, you know, uh, Ralph was telling us about how 
uh, the station was able to spring into action to pr- provide emergency communication uh, to the community, especially when the uh, the main commercial radio station in the community was unfortunately put off the air by the fire itself, despite the, the, their clear best efforts to have uh, uh, what, what anyone would consider a really solid backup plan. And then how, as well, the station has, has been uh, dealing with uh, the social distancing required uh, during the pandemic. But I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you, Ralph, you know, so what kind of feedback have you gotten from the community? I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if, if prior to the, the, the fire uh, emergency, which you had at the end of, of August, but you had definitely had already the shift in terms of the programming. And you, and you mentioned how, you know, you sort of reluctantly uh, moved to, to using tools like Zoom or ClearFeed Internet tools to, to provide the audio feed, which might not be up to the same standard of the audio that you're able to, to achieve in your, in your studios at the school. Um, you know, as well as there's a change in the programming because the students aren't able to to be in the studio together. Um, did you get? Have you heard feedback from listeners? It seems like Vacaville is a fairly small, tight knit community, and and you take the community uh, service aspect of your broadcasting very seriously. So, what kind of feedback have, have you received first about sort of the, the the pandemic programming or changes you've had to implement? Well, we get feedback all the time because you know I, I'm. I know a lot of the listeners. I mean, it's right. it's <laughs> our, our our main focus is um, providing opportunities for kids to learn. That's our main thing. I, to me, that's the most important you know, aspect is, is is the educational um, advantage it gives to the kids that are that are using it. And of course, they have families and they have friends, and so I get almost instant feedback in that way. So we do get a lot of feedback. And uh, most of it wasn't so much in, you know, you know, going, wow, it's, I'm, we're, we're so thankful that, uh, that we have this information. Um, it, it's more like, um, how are you doing? I hope you're okay. <laughs> I hope everything's fine, you know, with, with, with you. And, and, and so there was, what I noticed mostly was this outpouring of, uh, of concern for me, which I, I certainly appreciate. Um, it, it's... It, it's hard to it's hard to put a finger on how much if you're asking how much people you know appreciate what's done. I, I don't know that they appreciate it by by coming out and saying you know oh man if it weren't for you uh, you know we wouldn't have we would have gotten you know, wouldn't have gotten out with our lives. It isn't like that. Sure. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I was, was thinking a, more like you know I mean you know certainly you've been you know you've been in this sort of pandemic sit, uh, situation right, right. since before the fire. So uh, you know right right. But, but also you know I mean when you when you got when you first sort of set up the lines of communication you know right. with with local and county officials. I mean uh, you know. Was that were they surprised? I mean, you know, was it that you were reaching out? Did you already have a relationship there? Yeah, yeah, I already had a relationship with them. Now there are a couple different people that I noticed um, had taken over some of the positions and didn't know me, but they knew people that did, and they just kind of fit in. And I, I, I met a few new people through this event, but um, mostly, you know, we do, like I said, we do the city council meetings regularly, and so, um, and when they need something, you know, the, the county or the, the city calls us up and says, "Hey, can you announce this?" You know. Not an emergency, but just you know, mm-hmm. you know, event that they have coming up or something like that. So it's always been there, and um, so it, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that that difficult. It wasn't like they were surprised that we were around. It wasn't well, Paul, like that. Paul has asked a question about the the members of the the community who can listen to the radio station. I'd like to ask the same question about sure. um, whether pa- the parent community 
you know, uh, this is a high school radio station. This is a middle school radio station. Have the parents noticed uh, the role that the radio station plays now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do. And like I said, they're pretty much the same people. So um, the the parents, you know, love to hear their kids' voices on the air. They love to hear, you know, things that are going on, their friends and stuff like that. And the community appreciates, I think, if there's anything about the station that, that... that people like. They just like going on to the station and hearing something that's incredibly different, you know, something from a young person's perspective. It's one thing to hear music um, that you've heard, you know, you know, a lot, but then to hear it and then have some, you know, kid that was never alive during the time that music was made give their impression of, you know, the music is sometimes amusing. Um, but um, then hey, when... Ed, I, when we talked to you earlier, you talked about that was the the genesis for the radio station was really music appreciation. You wanted sure. students to talk about music, so that's still a very big part of it. Right, it is, and I think, that, and we get a lot of listeners that listen just out of that you know that kind of curiosity idea, and they appreciate listening to you know kids doing things. Um, you know, I've I've heard teachers from you know public schools and other schools just saying, "Oh, we listen to your station," you know, and. Um, um, they appreciate that. Having said that, when everything turned to emergency services, I, I you know, they, the idea of did they understand or appreciate it? I don't know that that they came out and said, "Well, we really appreciate the fact that you stayed on the air all, you know, all day and night for that." I don't think I wasn't expecting it. Like I said, it was more, you know, well, take care of yourself. Make sure you're taking care of, you know yourself in all of this. Uh, it was more of an outpouring of selflessness more than anything in terms of the listenership. Um, and um, the, the fact that we were able to do it, I'm glad that we were. How much of an impact? Well, that's that's a different matter. And I honestly couldn't tell you that. Well, Ralph, Martin, and you know, Jennifer and I both um, have the privileges in our lives of being members of, of middle school communities and now high school communities and I can't I know I don't I can't speak on behalf of Jennifer but I know that during the distance learning pandemic uh one of the most heartbreaking things about social distancing was losing losing touch with with the kinds of parents that you would just run into at at school you know that once once school became home and home became school um it really seemed to to put a put a real distance between members of the community and I'm again just you know like I I had a handful of opportunities that I think I'll talk about more in detail on the podcast today, not on the radio uh, edit of the show. But I'm very excited about how your school's radio station maintained the bonds, the social connections for people that may not have been able to hear from each other without, without without that privilege of listening to the voices of the high school and middle school community uh, broadcast Hmm. on the radio. Yeah, well, I mean, we, 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 we didn't lose a beat on that. We stayed on the air the whole time, with the exception of that one emergency where we made the choice to stop the programming. But as soon as that was done, we went right back on business as usual, and the kids continue and continue now. Some kids, they're allowed by the county to come in and do programming, you know, one to a studio and all the different rules and regulations they have. Uh, and then we have kids that do things from their studios at home. Um, there is... There is a um, feeling of business as usual, really. 
under some weird circumstances. So it's weird, but this unexpected is now become the expected. And uh, um, I'm curious, not so much how things are going right now, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how we go back to what we thought of as business as usual when all of this is over. How much is still going to be around you know, in terms of other businesses and uh, um, um, services that are struggling, uh, even vendors that we depend on as radio station operators or as uh, music teachers, making sure those music stores are still open when all of this is over and that people are still manufacturing the instruments and accessories you need and the microphones that you need and all of these things. And um, um, it'll be interesting to see how we all pick up the pieces when this is you know, completed. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me, Ralph Martin, of something that I was talking about on Radio Survivor six months ago at the beginning of the pandemic, that community radio stations have such a good, they play such a positive role knitting together artistic communities and performance communities in the cities in which they're located. And um, as many things that were damaged in the pandemic, I think that the performing arts is really, you know, really high up in on the list of things that were lost and radio stations, oh, yeah, by, the, by their by their technological uh, positioning, d- don't have to go down the same way that you know you can have live music. The only way you might be able to have live music that everyone could share, um, sure, in your community Agreed. is because radio stations are are here. And so it's just I'm very excited about how how your radio station has has maintained that role. Yeah, it's been it's been different because uh, we we have we're, we're playing a different we're playing playing a more important role in areas where we were a supplement to what they do. We've now become you know the main venue for what they do, which is the biggest change I think. Can you can you give a specific of that? Yeah, well, the specifics would be there are. Um, our uh, drama program that's going to be doing most of their stuff on the radio now. So the kids are right now writing a science fiction play, radio play, um, and um, our music students will be scoring the play, and they'll be doing it live on the radio. It won't be available in front of an audience. It's, they'll have to listen to the radio to hear it. So that's uh, what they're working on, and once they get the date set and everything, we'll put things out, and I think it's going to do really well. And how are they? How are they going to do it live? Are they all going to be on, you know, something like Zoom, doing it at the same time? Well, probably, we're not sure whether they're going to do it pre-recorded and then come together, or put everyone in different studios. Um, um, we're still trying to work out the details, but uh, it, it's certainly wide open for us to do it. You know, you know, any any way that that works, and um, that's the great thing about radio. Also, is uh, it's just audio. And so we don't have to deal with a lot of the visual things that you would have to do if you're doing it on, you know, television or on, uh, um, you know, the live stage. I hope that Radio Survivor can give this idea away for free to schools, school communities across the country that, sure. you know, drama, the drama and the music has to necessarily be, uh, can't be, can't be in person but it's you know there are so many opportunities, especially you know that most most high schools, most middle schools, unfortunately, do not have functioning HD right. radio stations and uh, or that none, is true. and mm. most don't have uh, low power FM stations. But every high school and middle school in the country, uh, in in a matter of moments, could. 
put a podcast on the air um, if, sure. if they had one faculty member or volunteer that that knew how to how to how to do the work. And it's I think it's, absolutely I think that's a um, I think that's something to look out for in the year 2020. I hope a lot of schools are, are able to still put out community art, mm. student led community art, but, uh, you know, on the Internet instead of in person in the year mm. 2020 and year 2021. Yeah, I agree. So, Ralph, I know that your students normally build trench radios as part of their class. Are you going to make them build trench radios from their bedrooms? I don't know, because uh, we would use uh, our, our signal doesn't go out that far. So I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do it. We've got some people that are studying here. So um, I'm going to have to figure out some way. It's more of a hybrid thing now. And so trying to figure out a way to make it work as a distance thing might be more difficult. You know, just figuring out, you know, how to, it just means doing something different. I'm going to have to put that aside and work on something different. I think you're going to have an amazing syllabus at the end of this and, and lessons oh, to I, share. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole new thing. And I think I'm going to be able to keep some of this later on. Yeah, what, Definitely. I mean, has there been something, what have you learned is there an aspect of it that you like better uh, in this sort of new way of teaching? Well, it's not a new way. I mean, experimenting is part of what we do. But, uh, um, yeah, I, there are some things. Uh, doing more home studio stuff is going to be advantageous to the kids. So I'd like to see them continue doing home studio stuff even after the pandemic is over. Um, Zoom... Um, the technology, I think um, it'll be good when the technology is such that we have better connections. Um, you know, when the 5G network starts to actually happen. Um, I think we've realized really in this pandemic not how great our technology is overall, but how limited our technology is overall. Um, I would... Um, like to see that improve. I'm looking forward in the upcoming years to seeing the um, cell phone companies um, kind of stepping up the the quality of connections for everyone. You know, moving forward, I think we're seeing that limitation. When I first heard about Zoom, you know, things in my mind, you know, just to show you how silly my thought was was at first. It was like, you know, I was expecting. You know, oh, you, you're going to have a Zoom class, and so that's fine. I'm just coming in the classroom, and my assistant goes, uh, you know, Captain, your students are hailing you on screen, you know, like a Star Trek episode, you know, and they just show up, and it would be perfect, and everything would be fantastic. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I should have been expecting, of yeah. course, the, gl the glitchiness and the, the that, frozen... That's a great <laughs> podcast. That's a great national. That's a good idea for a podcast right now. Is just to have parent, parents, teachers, and students uh, sharing their Zoom stories. There, I just read. Oh a tweet. my goodness! I just read a, a a very popular Twitter thread, a hugely viral Twitter thread yesterday about a second grade classroom where the teacher dropped off the call, and immediately every student took the opportunity to to uh, do the Zoom equivalent. Of you know taking off their pants and dancing on their desks only. Oh all, my goodness! It was all at home and right, you know, right. There's a reason why that story went viral. It's because it's a universal experience right now. Where yeah, well, it's is so yeah, difficult. it's 
It's it's difficult, but it's the the, the kids are ready. I mean, you know, the, we're ready for this kind of thing as an option, um, and and we still do it now. We're going to continue. I think even after this, I think there's going to be you know homeschooling. Kids are getting used to things like this. I, I think we forget that correspondence courses and online courses have been around for years. We just haven't depended on it. This isn't something that's really that new. What's new is, for the very first time, people are taking classes like this who didn't sign up for it. They, they, didn't, they didn't want this originally. This isn't like they were prepared to do this. This was, okay, your whole life is going to be different now. You're going to have to be at home. I think the parents um, are starting to realize that they need to take a much stronger role in their child's education. Um, a teacher cannot be there as a child care um, person if their kid is at home. I can't, I can't monitor what their kids are doing when all I see is their faces, you know, glitchy, you know, um, technology. I have no idea whether they're truly paying attention or not, or whether, you know, who knows, they have to be there in that room yeah. with their kid. Ralph, Ralph Martin, how, how recently did you go back to school again as a teacher? Um, well, like I said, mine has never stopped. You but, never stopped, um, yeah. You, but as far as, as far as the regular school, it's been a couple of weeks and some kids, um, you know, th there's restrictions that we follow and the kids have to wear masks and all of these things and be socially distanced. And it's, it's weird. It's kind of a surreal um, in-person thing. And it's a hybrid. And some kids are at home. And um, so a, cla a typical classroom would have, you know, maybe eight or ten kids in a classroom. And, and then a big giant screen with a bunch of Zoom kids at the same time. You know, what I'm wondering, and, Ralph, is, is mm -hmm. uh, has your radio station at the high school and middle school... Um, has it ever served a, a, as like a, um, you know, as the town hall for, you know, has the principal begun using it to address? Oh, yeah. The oh, no, no, no. Of course. No, no. That's done a lot. In fact, the, the head of school will come in and do a podcast that will go out to all the parents. It would be done live on the radio. And, um, you know, certainly that's that's uh, that's been done several times. Um, and uh, we at least once. Once a week or so, there might be a school that say, "Hey, we want to do a, a kind of an online um, online assembly where all the all the teachers would uh, tune in to our VCS TV." That's another thing that I do, with, which is just um, video streaming, um, and uh, we have a little website that we call our VCS TV channel, and uh, we can do live you know, multi-camera broadcasts and things like that to, you know, people. We did that with our uh, Peter Pan project, but it's also done just for, uh, just for classroom stuff. So, you know, it's not uncommon for me to get a request to, you know, take care of things like that. Um, it's, you know, it's something that could be done on the radio or it's something can be done in video, but uh, primarily it's been radio. So if the if the um, CEO, I say CEO, it's a C, head of school, HOS, the head of school, when he comes in and says, oh, I need to address the parents, and they'll come in and do a radio broadcast, and then we'll record it and put it on a podcast. Yeah, that and, and is that, that's all, uh, the, that, were, was the principal, did the principal have a podcast prior to 
socially yes. distant school. Oh, yes. Great. Yeah. That, uh-huh. see, that's so, really, that's, again, yeah, what, a, what an incredible asset for your school community. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always been there. So it's, if it's not, uh, doing, um, you know, just a general, you know, state of the school addresses or just coming in with a, with a, you know, interviewing a parent or, you know, and in this case, you know, the proper rules for wearing masks and all this kind of stuff and, and, and interviewing doctors and things like that. Um, we've done that, uh, quite a bit on the radio so that's wow. continued on you know i think i think vcs radio it's got to be one of the rare high school middle school radio stations where everybody in the school community is completely aware of it and listens to it yeah I, everyone's aware of it and um you know we have you know quite a bit of the school is connected to it in some way they're broadcasting or they're doing some some things i mean almost everybody is involved in some way with the radio station here. Um, I, Ralph Martin, I have to ask if this is like a unfair question, but what advice would you give to other educators and or possibly parents about uh, what, what are the initial steps they should take if they wanted to, you know, start to stand up something similar for their school community? You mean like starting up a radio station? Yeah, and, and I'm assuming yeah. it would be a, it would not, it would be more of a podcast network. Sure, I mean, station. I get that a lot um, because um, we have our high school radio network, which is a network of um, um, teachers, radio station teachers across the country, and we're still we're still connected together as well. In fact, every Monday, all you know, several I'd say all there's like sixty or seventy of us together, but. Um, we, we maintain a really active um, group together to support each other through all this stuff and sharing ideas. Um, every single Monday, um, um, radio station, high school radio station operators across the country, we get together on Zoom and share our ideas and, um, and um, our griefs. We, we kind of you know, help each other out in times. where It's a very, very supportive group of broadcasters all over the country. Um, and so some of those are teachers that have come to start their own radio station. So they'll come in and say, hey, you know, we heard about what you're doing. Uh, we'd like to start a radio station <clears throat> for our high school. And so I'd say, oh, come join our group. And then not only that they're not just hearing my advice, but they're hearing advice from, you know, uh, radio station operators all over the country that are running their school programs everywhere. Um, and uh, it just takes someone who's interested in radio, serious enough to, you know, to follow through with it. It's one thing to say you want to do it, but there's a little more involved than just, you know, you know slapping something together. Um, and issues like doing it in a way that you could sell to your, um, you know, school board and your principal that this is a valuable process. Um, getting that experience from from existing teachers is a really valuable thing. So I always keep my, um, you know, channels open to anyone who's interested, and they can go to the, you know, VCS. Um, uh, they can go to vcsradio.com and contact me. Uh, that's fine. Or they can go go even to the VCS radio, or not VCS. I'm sorry, I, I got VCS in front of everything because of our school. But the um, high school radio network, the National High School Radio Network, has a website, and um, 
they can contact me there as well. And I can get them in contact with a lot of people who can help them start podcasts or maybe get involved in doing LPFM when another LPFM window comes up or a Part 15 setup. Um, anything that, uh, that I can do to help them out would be fine. That's, that's so exciting because also I'm thinking about how He's talking our language, LPFM, yeah, well, Part and 15. Like, I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah. how that distance learning is a huge challenge for everybody, for so, and mm-hmm. um, some students more than others. And mm-hmm. the idea of there being a component of the school day where students can have a new learning environment, like a, you mm-hmm. know, if, sure. if, one, if, a one, if one student is interviewing another student over dis- over the distance of the internet for the school community for the podcast i just think it's such a i can't i don't see the downside in that as far as um a school well, activity not, for for everybody for, as far as the school activity yes and one of the things that i think that helps us out is that though we do have classes the reason why we're so um well used here is because the, the, the purpose isn't for radio to be a class. Oftentimes when schools want to start a radio station, they might start it as just a, just a class, um, which they have to go through um, you know, um, processes to see that the class is approved as a course. If they're going to take time out of the kid's day, it, it, there's, there's certain... You know, approval processes they have to go through to get it, uh, you know, approved as a course, um, as an academic course or as a um, practical arts course. Um, then you have um, those who do it just as a club, and that's usually not as serious, and, and so that's a whole different thing altogether. And I don't know that either one of those could be successfully sold in today's world. Um, but being a venue open for all of that, you know, clubs and courses and venues for other departments, uh, doing broadcasting of sports for the athletic department, which we do a lot of, and doing all of these things to where it's 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 not this closed family, but it's it's open to everyone within the community. That is what makes radio valuable. Um, and anyone who is interested in doing it for a school has to be of that mindset that it's not just for a few people who love radio. It's for everybody because there's no reason to love radio unless radio is worth loving. You've got to have something. You have to provide something. Radio is, you know, speakers, a demodulator, you know, pulling in, you know, a transmitted signal. That's great if you're, if you're a tech geek. But you really need to have content that is worth listening to, whatever that technology is. And if you keep it open and keep it relevant for everyone, then you're going to be a successful station. Well, that was very well said, Ralph Martin. We're in the podcast uh, zone, and I I had an experience at the end of the school year uh, for my student, for my son mm-hmm. the, in, in middle school that I hadn't shared yet on the podcast. And I think this is a really good opportunity uh, to sure. finally talk about it. And it, it, there was two projects that were extremely, uh, one was that the, uh, the graduation, my son's middle school graduation ceremony mm-hmm. 
was yeah. um, entirely, it was a parking lot drive-in. Mm. Uh, yep, so was ours. Radio. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was um, accomplished with some incredible hard work. We have uh, some professional audio engineers in the school community that that uh, that worked on the broadcast, and that sure. was incredible. And you know, rented the equipment, and it was it that was, was done, actually yeah was done right. Sure, that was that was actually a, another reason that we turned off our HD uh, last uh, last school year. Was a, was for a parking lot graduation ceremony, um, and we provided the audio for people in their cars that were doing the um, graduation. That was an interesting situation. The reason I turned off HD is there's a delay, there's a digital delay, right? And so and so you can't have a digital delay when they're watching somebody speak, you know, yeah, from I, their car window. I was so very just, excited about our high school, yeah. gra- our middle school graduation, yeah. but I have. I have to say I was also very cynical about what it would feel like to sit in my car for something so important. But it uh, turning on your radio in your car, your FM radio, sure. and mm-hmm. being parked next to the other people in your school community um, made us uh, closer than I had expected. And the, the applause was, uh, was interesting too. It was uh, car horns. <laughs> yeah. like, Right. So when people came, uh, you know, when people went to get their, they didn't come up to get their diploma. They just mentioned names, and all of a sudden, all these horns would honk. But it, it and, was really unique because, in yeah. a way, having having the voices of the people speaking sure. at the podium broadcast mm-hmm. over your car stereo was more intimate than being in a high school. Oh yeah, no, I I believe I believe that. That's the same thing true with. Uh, with a lot of things with radio, even sports. I mean, a lot of the there's a lot of people who want to bring their radio to the game when they see the game, and it, yeah. you always find that interesting. Well, well, wait a minute, you're there. Why do you need to listen to somebody describing what's you know what's what you can already see? And yeah, uh, yeah. they like it. They like the experience. So the radio is more than. It's more than the sum of its parts. It's not about, like I said, it's not about the technology. It, it's about what you can do with radio that you just simply can't do in other areas. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big thing. My father, uh, growing up, would, would watch football games on the television but uh, mute the television and, and turn on the radio for the commentary. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a very radio survivor fact. I haven't spoken out loud yet. The other thing, yeah, that my did, my yeah. dad as well. And sometimes yeah. my dad preferred the local announcers for baseball or football. So sure. yeah, he, he would listen on his. He had a, a radio. I think that even had. Yeah, he would listen on his like portable radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we accomplished in my family uh, for the middle school community that we graduated out of last year um, was that. Uh, there's a ceremony that takes place every year in our school community or my former school community here in Portland where every graduating middle schooler uh, gives a personal speech, about a mm. seven-minute speech, ten-minute speech that they work on for a huge chunk of the conclusion of their educational uh, moment at the school. Uh, and this was the first time that it could not be uh, – accomplished in in person this is something that would take place every morning uh, sure. be, at, at morning meeting there would be uh, half a dozen students would would 
would present their speeches, either read or improvised or performed. Some people would do music um, at the front of the auditorium to the mm-hmm. entire school. And this was the year that that, um, that that very meaningful ongoing end of the year event had to t- take place entirely online. Oh. And uh, it happened, you know, it, it just so happened that I'm going to toot my own horn in a way that it's giving me pause, but uh, my kid built himself right at the right moment in a very serendipitous uh, point of history, built himself his, his uh, essentially his streaming broadcast home computer ah. just in time for the pandemic. And so uh, he was able to be the... Um, the uh, the hub, as it were, for this community mm-hmm. broadcast. Every morning, um, it went out as a live stream, and you know, uh, we they pulled it off. Lots of people worked really hard to pull it off, but it it really um, it was community radio mm-hmm. at its finest for for the school community that I'm a part of, and it, um, I that's I wonderful. Hope, I hope other schools can can have something similar. It sounds like. Uh, your school community does get that. So yeah, we we do. Well, thank you for that. But um, it's <laughs> it's. I think radio is whether it be terrestrial radio, internet radio. It, it's there. There is a resurgence of that type of um, push in schools um, that I'm noticing simply because I seem to be the one one of the avenues that when someone's interested in high school radio, you know, they'll contact someone who's doing it. And, and of course, I'm one of those people. And so um, I'm starting to see that firsthand where people are reaching out and saying, hey, I'd like to start up a station in my school. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be a resource in that area. And so it's, it's something that, uh, that I think is going to continue to grow, whether it be a fully licensed station, you know, which is a little harder to do, or just doing podcasting and streaming, and I think every school could do that. Yeah, and I'm sure that. Well, I mean, you're an inspiration to me. I just, I, I, I don't even know how you do all of the things that you do, and I'd forgotten that you did television in addition to radio and running a music program. Um, I, I don't know how, how how you have all the time or the energy, Ralph, <laughs> to like. But it's it's great that you're mentoring others, you know, to spread this this passion and creativity. You know, I I love all the experimental projects, and I'm glad that they're continuing. Well, it's fun to do, and that's you know, it, it's something that uh, you know, if if I have the ability to to do the things I like to do, and then that that has a benefit to kids and the community at large. That's that's a great bonus and. And so I've been very fortunate to love my work. And I think that is pretty much the reason I've been able to handle this is because it doesn't you know, seem very much like work. A lot of the things I do, I probably would have done had it not been my job. So it's, um, it's, you know, it, it's a lot easier than it sounds. But thank you for the kind words anyway. <laughs> and Ralph Martin, no. Ralph Martin, you've been on Radio Survivor as a guest prior to this, and so yes, we, uh-huh. we've talked about your radio station before, but for, for new listeners, and just to remind me, how long has your station been on the air? When did you build it? 
September 8th, 2004 was when... Oh, 14. I said 2004, pardon me. 2014 was when we got our license to cover from the FCC. However, we had been doing stuff from before 2000, so and yeah, I, I wish I could give you the exact date, but it was well before the turn of the millennium when we were experimenting with uh, streaming, and that was the first thing, and then part 15, where we had uh, synchronized AM transmitters, and um, we had done, you know, um, carrier current stuff, and um, we've had a lot of, you know, different... Uh, experiments that we did on campus um, prior to getting our license. It took 14 years to get our license. Right. I mentioned that before. Let's, so we've been doing it for a while. It's so funny because we've been, I've been gushing about the social, um, you know, benefits of radio and, and I guess like the, um, the like verbal arts, like the literary uh, mm-hmm. benefits of radio, but obviously sure. also there's a huge, uh, science and engineering component to be there is. You know, for for students to be able to uh to work on this stuff you know you just mentioned carrier current i think i think uh stu- high school and middle school students building their own uh legal low power radio stations is a very exciting uh, science class yeah it is and um as long as they recognize the uh you know, importance of the word legal. <laughs> That's, you know, one of the things that uh, that uh, comes with radio because you know, it's limited um, spectrum and something I had to deal with dealing so many years being told that I couldn't be on the air, you know, because we you know, got to have a license to do that in, in that way, is learning how to deal with unlicensed broadcasting. And you can do a lot with unlicensed broadcasting. It's not... Uh, it's not impossible, and um, you know, AM low power AM has um, um, restrictive rules, but it can work if you um, do the math and and, and put uh, you know put some effort toward it. You can do things without a license on terrestrial radio that works you know quite well. Right. We should let listeners know who might be new to Radio Survivor. Anybody who's listened to Radio Survivor before today's episode will will know this already, but we might have some new listeners who uh, might not realize that it's possible to broadcast on the FM radio dial or the AM radio dial at a very low power, yeah. uh, completely mm-hmm. legally. Um, it's it's like pirate radio in in the fact that you don't need to apply for your license. You just get to do it. But it's not pirate radio. It's entirely well within uh, the legal framework of, of being a broadcaster. It's just very small. And it's, I mean, it's really, in many ways, it's perfect for a campus community. If, if we get sure. to... To, if, if we get campuses back, having radio on campus is something that... Uh, yeah, yeah. For that kind that's, that's yeah. very recurrent. Sure, and uh, not just carrier current, but free radiated systems um, in like college campuses. You can actually, you know, you're allowed to broadcast to the edge of your of your property on AM, not FM, but on AM. Um, with um, you know that that can be powerful if you're trying to get the word out, especially if you're interested in radio and having kids build, you know, college students build systems like that. Um, AM, yeah, and that's uh, free radio. And that's, it's kind of there's a big history stuff. in in college radio with these carrier current campus stations. Mm-hmm. And Ralph, I visited a station that was in an urban area, 
And, and they were talking about this idea that you mentioned where you can broadcast to the entire campus and their campus was actually kind of spread out in an urban area. Mm. Sure. So they were able to cover quite a large area with their signal legally because right. they were technically covering just the campus. Right, right, right. Now, as long as you follow the rules at the uh, edge of their property, they, um, they can, you can broadcast more than carrier current. The thing about carrier current using that type of uh, system, it doesn't, it drops off as soon as you leave the building. You can't go very far outside. That, that kind of um, system doesn't lend itself well except for people who are, would be listening in their house not, or in their dormitory. Certainly not for people who are listening in their car. That yeah, uh, free radiate system that you want to do more than a, I'm trying to think of uh, the, you know, what you would call it, but it wouldn't be. It's part 15, but it, I guess they would call it part part 15 campus radio. I don't know if the FCC has a has a name for it, but mm. it's well within the rules to to radiate uh, an AM signal to the edge of your um, property in a college or education institution with uh, any any amount of power so long as the signal drops off at a certain number of um, meters away from the property line. So it could work in large campuses. Yeah, and for, for friends of the show who have very not yet cool. heard, and for, for people who don't know about carrier current, just very briefly, it's, it's when the radio signal is being broadcast uh, through either the power lines or the phone lines or the, even the water pipes um, mm-hmm. of, your, of your campus infrastructure. It's, it's literally... Uh, traveling through an already existing uh, uh, piece of metal. Mm-hmm. That's yep. carrying current. It, and it's been, it's been a part of the radio culture, especially on campuses, uh, since the beginning of radio, 100 years ago, pretty much. Or like yep. the late 30s, I would say. We're getting there. I feel like we're in the late 30s already. <laughs> yeah, late, late 30s is when um, college students started setting up carrier current on campuses. Yeah, it was. I mean, early radio was mostly experimentation, and I think that uh, that's uh, that spirit of radio. I think is still there. It's it may be a little dormant in, in ways, but uh, I think times like this, it's becoming easier to uh, to think about uh, different ways of communicating to people. Ralph, did we ever ask you about where you first were exposed to radio as a young person? Um, I don't remember, but I know that uh, I was a ham operator in sixth grade, um, and that you know gave me some experience at that time. Um, I, I was just, you know, I, I wasn't interested in, in it in any more than just as a hobby, um, and um, it was all at the time code, you know, and so. That kind of got me, you know, at least the experience enough to know what I was getting myself into. Um, and uh, later on, I never stuck with that, you know, because I was so heavily seeped in music at the time mm. that uh, that took over most of my, my time. But, um, you know, I never thought I'd be using it again. And then yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's like something that uh, I've been able to pull back out, you know, from my childhood, and then just do more study, and eventually, you know, put things together. So that was helpful. 
Was your ham radio experience um, like a personal hobby, or were you being taught yeah. at school? Yeah, it was. It was a personal hobby. No, I. You know, I. Um, there were uh, ham operators operating, and they would do things. They'd do little reach out things to young people who wanted to get into ham operating, you know, um, amateur radio, and I was just one of the kids that did it. And so uh, there was no real special story to it, except for the, you know, the special uh, ham operators that. Uh, you know, gave their time to help uh, young people who were interested in, in radio do their thing. So, uh, you know, that's something we don't talk about a lot much, you know, anymore is uh, um, amateur radio, which is uh, still a big part of the radio landscape. Yeah, incredibly important. And they serve a vital role during emergencies in particular. Sure. And, yeah, that's definitely something we should talk about on the podcast. I don't know that we've had an episode devoted to amateur radio. We've, we have known for five years that it's an important topic that we plan plan to cover more. So I think Ralph Martin did us a favor by at least... Um, Reminding br- us. Bring us. Yeah, bringing it up on today's episode. There we um, go. This has been great. And so you didn't, Ralph, you didn't even, uh, you didn't do college radio. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't do any radio. No except community for, radio at all. Until you no community radio. radio. No. No, I, I did some um, public access television. Um, our local cable company offered a public access station, but didn't really offer. They offered it because it was kind of required in their <clears throat> their franchise with the city, but they didn't advertise it. So there was this channel that nobody was doing anything on. There was no studio, um, and I remember. The first time doing that was a different situation. It was a um, there was no way to broadcast anything because you had to actually be there. And back then they were using VHS tape tapes and just doing their own programs from home and putting little talk shows. But there was no way to broadcast it, so um, they would have to come in during business hours of the cable company, and they would let them go into a little room where there was like a couple players, and they would stick their their VHS in there and play it, and they had to stay there the whole time. And I go, well, that's kind of weird. So I got a bunch of um, um, VHS players that I just bought, just some consumer-grade stuff, and then I took a bunch of digital light timers, you know, old timers that turn lights on and off, and I just opened them up and disconnected the uh, power to the to the timing mechanism, and then ran the timing me- mechanism into the play buttons of the um, of the individual players so that they would be timed to go on and play at certain times during, you know, any time during the day and no one had to be there. So I had like uh, five or six players that I had set up for public access and then people just, you know, punch their time in on the little light timers instead of turning on a light bulb or turning on a lamp, it, it pressed, it, it hit the play button or, you know, Closed the circuit for the play mechanism on the on the players, and that's how they ran for years, <laughs> just doing programming using. Oh my God, uh, Ralph, you're the, such a tinkerer and this, a hacker. This oh, hacker autom this hacker automation video system that they had, and we just had a you know a CG running scheduled programming, and because the VHS players automatically had that way of uh, interrupting regular. Um, antenna, you know, uh, terrestrial television for when you played the 
played your own home videos, that lend itself well to doing CG stuff and then just cutting in with actual programming, which was all pre-timed. So that was before we had the automation systems that were affordable for public access. And that was how we were able to make it work. So that was my experience prior to doing... Um, you know, radio with the kids. It was just that seems like out a way to make it perfect, work, you know? <laughs> perfect experience as far as you know coming up with these creative solutions. Did you did you create programming as well? Um, I didn't. I mean, I did some. Um, I did some um, music programs and things like that. Um, but um, you know, there are a lot of people in the community that uh, you know that were interested in that kind of thing. Um, and so long after I got into other things, because I, when I became the head of the conservatory in different you know, departments and it started becoming a bigger, a bigger thing taking my evening time, um, I wasn't able to do public access like I used to be able to do. And so um, it was taken over by other people, that, people later on. But I, you know, I, I appreciated the experience that I had just getting in and saying, okay, here's a problem. Now let's make a solution for it, you know. And it just, um, you know, th those are those are wonderful experiences when you can just get in there with, a, you know, a screwdriver and you know a, a soldering iron and you know, <laughs> trying to make things work. And uh, you know, buying some cheap stuff so you don't care about breaking it, and just getting in there and making things happen. And um, you know that that's even though things are more computerized now than they were back then that that kind of that kind of opportunity to turn something that wasn't designed for its purpose into something that works is is enjoyable it's amazing well Ralph Martin thank you so much for being on radio survivor and for sticking around for the podcast we've we're glad that you're safe and healthy and that you have this amazing attitude and are continuing to do creative things in high school and middle school radio. Well, thank you for the kind words and thank you for having me. And also thank you for the work you do. I mean, going through and when you go and visit schools and, uh, and radio stations, what you're doing is you're helping that station by adding some legitimacy to what they do. It, it brings the word out and say, you know, it's not just us sitting there doing our programming. There's people that are taking interest. And you, you also, you and your entire team at Radio Survivor do a vital role in making sure that uh, these important parts of our culture um, stay alive. And, uh, I, you know, the word survivor certainly works. I, I like that name. It, it, it fits. And I think that's, uh, that's an important thing. And I thank you for what you do. Ah, oh, thanks, Ralph. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll get to visit again. <laughs> well, you're always welcome. And, uh, hope, and I, I, it, it's not a matter of if. This, this is all going to pass. Yes. I look, yeah, I look forward to being able to, uh, to venture into studios again. Yeah, yeah. It'll happen. It's wonderful. Um, that's just very wonderful, Ralph Martin. I'm very, I've been smiling. I've been smiling ear to ear ever since you've. I mean, this has been a fun uh, episode for me. Uh, uh, the whole the whole hour and a half. But I was I started smiling nonstop after when you were describing how you hacked together those VCRs for the public access station. Was that that was in Vacaville? 
Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's wonderful. Truly, truly, truly. Uh, thank you so it. much for, for spending <laughs> your time. Um, best of luck. Great job with your school. Um, jealous. I, I hope other people uh, can build some radio stations uh, to, to, to sort of knit together their communities. I really feel... I think about it every day, the way that... Um, the way that our communities, our learning communities have been stretched so thin and are under so much strain. And I love mm-hmm. the idea of, of school media and community media, um, you know, strengthening those connections between students and educators and parents. Uh, it, it seems like invaluable. It seems like every school needs, needs to have a podcast at the very least, if not. A sure. Station. It's really cool. Absolutely. That's my okay. soapbox again. All right. Yeah. Okay, uh, have a good evening, everybody. Uh, Breathe well soon, I hope. Well, that's an interesting episode of Radio Survivor. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to Ralph Martin, whose uh, radio station is really an inspiration for us here at Radio Survivor. And I had a breakthrough (laughs) during that interview. It It had not yet occurred to me how important educational radio right like a learning radio you know it's college radio except we we at radio survivor jennifer has always helped me that it's it's not just college radio it's uh high school radio it's middle school radio and then look at that i just opened my eyes again to the idea that well and then what comes next what comes next is community radio (laughs) so the radio that is here for um for us to to make and to share uh, to make as producers, to listen to uh, as listeners. Uh, lots of people are both. All these radios, from the middle school radio up through the community radio, um, providing such, you know, it's always been there for us. And now, during these times, I, I really, uh, one of my pet peeves in radio land and in media in general is people that um, come up with over general euphemisms for the difficulties of the year 2020 um sometimes i think specifics are more appropriate right don't just say in these difficult times it's sort of almost condescending <laughs> to the times or to the people and the variety of experiences but geez louise the, the the amount of overlapping difficulties that we here are facing um that does make generalizing sometimes the appropriate uh, use of the English language. Uh, you know, in, in Portland, Oregon, in San Francisco, California, across the West Coast, the fires uh, have been, uh, you know, verb. The, the, the Also, another pet peeve, radio verbs for fire behavior uh, seem to be too action movie oriented. It's very action or, you know. So what do you say when you describe the the um the activity of fire uh in, on a podcast radio or on the news but uh not only do we have fires that are displacing so many people on the west coast uh i live in oregon oregon has been hit very bad this week uh but the air quality is um uh the worst it's ever been and it's it's uh, it's very challenging for everybody who is living through it it uh, impacts the amount of productivity we can get done when we're extremely privileged and all the way down to uh, uh you know impacting your ability to live your life safely uh so keep us in mind on the west coast if you're not here and if you are on the west coast i hope you're well and uh i know that people are facing unique challenges uh, across the country right now it's a hurricane season as well um pandemic 
as well. Overlapping. So, that all being said, isn't it nice to have these radio stations in times of trouble to make and to listen to? And not just nice, but in many ways um, vital, right? Vital to our survival in so many ways. The the survival of our spirit and the survival of our bodies are sometimes uh, uh, kept kept boosted by the existence of these radio stations and when students who are going through so much stress um, have the resource of contributing to an online radio station at their school or to a terrestrial radio station at their school or this one-of-a-kind middle school and high school hd radio station in vacaville california uh i just uh i know that i know that that um, matters to those kids. And I, I wish that for every every student. I wish that for every student right now going through distance learning and the stress of distance learning to have um, another, something good. Uh, if, if the classes are boring, I've seen a lot of things on the internet about young people uh, being uh, bored uh, to, with levels of despair <laughs> with the online learning experience. And uh, I think that producing podcasts is a way out. Uh, you know, because it's it, it's it maintains the connection, but it also uh, can give a student a different avenue towards uh, their education. Um, radio Survivor is online. It's a podcast. It's a radio program. It's also a website that's been going strong for ten years. We are here to help you. If you have any questions about uh, radio, about educational radio about making radio, about how to make radio, uh, you can always email us. Our email address is podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Your question could very well turn into an episode of the podcast or could be mentioned on the podcast or help us uh, produce an episode of the podcast as well as uh, articles on the website. Your questions also uh, may have already been answered in a previous episode of the Radio Survivor uh, program or on the website. So we'll, we'd be happy to, to help point you in the right direction. Our website and radio program and podcast are listener and reader supported. To find out more about how you can contribute to the work, go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. This podcast has been going on now for 260 something episodes i say something because you know some of the rebroadcasts that we're still very proud of are um are uh, duplicates of previous broadcasts but we have to we have to keep the numbers advancing or the whole system would become very confusing uh so we've we've produced um close to 260 unique episodes and uh we're gonna keep going every you know that's that's about five years of podcasting uh, you can listen to all of them on the website, radiosurvivor.com, or you can hear them wherever you get your podcasts. Radio Survivor is a podcast that you can subscribe to anytime you choose. It's always free online to hit subscribe, and you can use any app on your device to subscribe to this podcast or any other podcast in the world. My thanks to Jennifer Waits again for producing today's episode of the show, for figuring out that it was as good a time as any to speak with Ralph Martin, who has, I should mention, appeared on the show a number of times in the past, uh, and you can find out links to those previous episodes and all sorts of other things at the show notes, uh, radiosurvivor.com. Today's episode is number 263.
So on behalf of Paul Reismandel, Jennifer Waits, and myself, Eric Klein, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.